you live with another episode of Hear the Spirit presented by Noel Game Day. Uh, I'm joined tonight by uh, co-host Logan Robinson. He's kind of uh, filling in for our normal co-host Ryan Stalder, who's uh, enjoying his spring break uh, maybe a little bit too much. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to welcome Logan to the show tonight. What's going on, Logan? Nothing much. I uh, am actually really jealous of Ryan right now. We got me and you have what a couple more days until our spring break. Yeah, we get it. Yeah, next week. So uh, it's I'm headed down to Costa Rica. What are you headed? Are you, you got any plans? Yeah, got a cruise. Got a cruise. Got a seven day cruise. Leaving on Saturday. Hitting all the Cayman Islands. Going to Belize, um, Port Mahogany, um, and then just enjoying some time with the family. Going to eat a lot of food and gain. Plan on gaining like 15 pounds for the combine. So I'm excited. All right, that, that sounds good. I, I've always wanted to to go to Belize. I know, so, like I'm, I'm kind of jealous. I'm excited. I really am, and I don't think like I have anything planned with my family. So like me and my friend are just gonna go around and explore and get into some more trouble. Um, so it may or may not be a good thing, but I'm excited. I'm I just gotta get these midterms done, and then it's time to have some fun. I'm tired of it. Tired of studying. All right, so uh, speaking of midterms, I think there was something that went on this week that's kind of like the midterm of the NFL draft preparation yeah. uh, uh, for the prospects, especially the Florida State prospects, as they kind of come up on the uh, NFL draft. I believe it's in April. Yeah. So, um, you know, let, let's get into a recap of kind of the performances that the uh, Florida State players put up at, at this week's combine and, and break down. Uh, I guess we can kind of talk about um, the numbers and stuff they put up and uh, maybe whether it surprised us and kind of how it translated to their play at Florida State and, and, you know, just kind of get into uh, what all the impact of that is. Yeah, I was – I think the NFL Combine is like almost like my Christmas to me. Like I love watching the guys, the ballers from – college football come in and like absolutely explode during the 40s definitely like the dbs like i'll watch that all day long that's what i did earlier today i just love when they come in show out i mean it's uh it's a straight up interview for them but they got to show it with their speed um agility bench everything and i it's one of my favorite things to watch honestly football wise to me the the most interesting part about it to me is kind of how how you see these guys and and the, you know at the combine they're broken down into just numbers you know like mm-hmm. w- what time are you going to put up in the forty and you, and you know sometimes those numbers go hand in hand or, or kind of agree with what you see on the field and then other times you know not so much uh, example of that would be like Dalvin Cook last year you know mm-hmm. we know his game speed was faster his game yeah. speed is faster than a you know, I think I believe if I remember correctly, like a four, five, three, forty. Yeah. Uh, so, so you know, you, you think he's faster than that, or, or or it looks like he is on the field. Um, but then you know, you know, just it's interesting to see how sometimes you know combine numbers, uh, they don't tell the whole story all the time. There's certain things. I mean, like today, we saw or, or was it? Yeah, it was earlier today on uh, Monday. Mm-hmm. We saw um, Tavares McFadden put up a four-six-seven and a four-seven-six, which is a, god, a truly god-awful time for a a cornerback. <laughs> and, and not to say that he wasn't without his his faults as a player at Florida State, but he also was a pretty good coverage corner 
for Florida State in his time here, and it, it really looked like he struggled with technique mm-hmm. um, at 40. And, and so you got to remember that with these 40 times and stuff like that, that the technique um, is something that, you know, it, it plays a part in, in the, the times that you end up putting up. And, and you know, I don't think that time is totally indicative of what Tavares McFadden is capable of. And I think if you really, you know, it's not a good sign, that's for sure. But I think a little bit of it, too, might might have been that um, his preparation process, for some reason, was, was off in one way or another. And so, that you know, you just got to keep in mind that sometimes numbers are, and just straight numbers from the combine don't tell the whole story. Yeah, exactly. And he's... He's a lengthy dude. I mean, watching him run, I thought he was like six seven, six eight. I mean, his arms and legs were everywhere. I just I don't know where he was training at, but it just didn't look like the focus was mainly there on the forty. Although he he looked fairly good on the field activities. Um, I remember one catch he caught. Uh, the ball was coming up from behind his back, and he snagged it. The quarterbacks were awful today and weren't throwing the ball great, but he was able to catch a couple good balls um his hips weren't as great Dion gave him a couple gave him some crap on that um but he it's it's hard it's it's not easy with you know I wonder if his head was you know already looking into the NFL his freshman season after a phenomenal season uh his first year at Florida State do you think that would play any role and you know already thinking that he could play a down in the NFL today like right off the bat? No, I mean, because last year was his first year starting. So he started, his first year was as a sophomore, Mm -hmm. his big breakout season. Um, And, you know, like even, I think we hit on this last year to a certain extent. You know, he led the nation in interceptions as a sophomore. Mm -hmm. I believe he had eight. But, But at the same point in time, early in the season, he had some rough, you know, he had some, some, rough patches that he had to kind of get over. Um, if you recall, he gave up a long TD against USF. He got mossed by one of the old Miss receivers in the season opener that year. And, and so there were some issues that he had to kind of, um, I guess, overcome or whatever to lead the nation in interceptions. Mm-hmm. And he really did turn into a lockdown corner down, down the stretch of that season. And then this past season, he wasn't bad, but then you still have like the, you know, the game-winning touchdown that Miami scored was again over him. Um, so I don't know. He, he's really hard to get a read on, and, and you know, as, as our listeners know, he's been a divisive figure um, even within this podcast um, because Ryan uh, <laughs> is quite fond of, of Tavares McFadden, um, and, and I think I, I wouldn't say that I am not fond or I'm not um, confident in his abilities, but at some point in time. You know, I, I question whether he really truly does have, I guess, the passion for the game or, or um, you know, something along those lines. I don't I don't want to go after someone's passion for the game too much, but it just seems as if, you know, his physical talent should allow him to be a little bit more than what he is from time to time because he truly is, you know, extremely physically talented um, at the cornerback position. Yeah, I want to talk about another physical freak that we knew was not really human coming in to FSU, Matthew Thomas. I think he had a good and maybe even a great combine for him, um, a 4.58, 40, 41.5. 
vertical jump and a 131 broad jump. Um, I think he had a good combine for himself. Um, one of the guys that, you know, the announcers were saying during the combine that, you know, he was a crazy freak coming into FSU. Um, big, highly, highly touted recruit coming in. Um, and it just, I don't know, it just didn't shape out in a crazy way at FSU like we had thought. But that could change going into the NFL level. I mean, he's a he's a freak. He's fast, um, and he's physical. We saw that in the Michigan game. Um, and I, I I'm 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 interested to see if he gets picked up. It had to be really late in the rounds, but he's definitely a physical freak, and you know that's used now in the NFL. Run quick, um, physical all around just nasty so I'm, I'm interested to see if that Matt, if the combine did well for him and see if what he does at the pro day too coming up in a week or two at FSU well I, you know I saw this on Twitter and and I, I kind of agree to a certain extent I, I think that the Florida State staff um, you know I, I think that Matthew Thomas was a middle linebacker at Florida State um, I think that was that's perfectly fine because he, he was a very good middle linebacker at times for Florida State. So I'm not going to say he was like played out of position necessarily. But I, I think that in the NFL, it might be something for him to look at playing like as a 3-4 outside linebacker or, or you know more of like an edge rusher type thing uh, because he, he was really good at Florida State when he was given the opportunity to kind of, um, you know, get get after the passer. I, and he's not a small dude. He is, you know, six, he's around 6'3". He's over 230 pounds. Um, he could very easily slide into more of a edge rusher type role um, in the NFL. And, and maybe that kind of eliminates some of the uh, troubles – because I, I think one of the things that, that plagued Matthew Thomas a lot was kind of not – I don't know if you want to term it as his instincts at Florida State, but um, his ability to kind of navigate traffic and, and what, what's the so-called wash of a play. You know, his offensive linemen uh, seek to get to the next level and, and kind of he had trouble navigating those channels and, and getting through those blocks, potential blocks, getting off blocks um, – to make tackles. And so it might be something that's interesting to see, you know, if someone doesn't take a flyer on him at some point in time and see, all right, can we turn this guy into a, um, you know, can we turn this guy into an edge rusher? Um, someone who can kind of maybe be a situational guy to get after the passer. Um, and if not, you know, maybe they give him a shot at a traditional stand up linebacker spot. Did. On to the next, another physical crazy freak, Josh Sweat. How about that 40 time? I mean, we know he's fit and athletic, but a 4-5-3, fastest defensive end in uh, the combine. I mean, weighing that much and running that quick, I mean, sweet mother. I mean, just imagine that coming off the edge at you too, coming to hit you at your back. I mean, that that's insane. I thought he had a good combine too. Um, good for him. He could he I mean I think his stock went up. What do you think? I think it went up after the combine. I think he yeah, had the, a lot of yeah, turned some sure. heads. Turned some heads. Yeah, there's no way that kind of combine uh, didn't uh, you know 
have have his stock on the rise. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, I saw someone compare his numbers to uh, Jadavion Clowney's, and they weren't wildly different. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's so, what we uh, thought whenever he was coming to Florida State. Was we everybody gave him the Jadavion Clowney comparison? Okay, here it is. So Josh Sweat, he's six five, two hundred fifty one pounds, with a four five three forty yard dash and a one point five five ten yard split. Um. Javion Clowney, 6'5", 266, so he's 15 pounds heavier, mm-hmm. the same height, same 40-yard dash, uh, thousandth of a second slower on the 10-yard, and uh, sweat verted two inches higher, broad jumped an inch further, and had a uh, uh, 15 thousandth of a second uh, shorter of a short shuttle time. So I mean, you see right there. Mm, yeah, he compares pretty pretty closely and pretty favorably with Jadavion Clowney, and uh, in a way, I think they're pretty similar in the fact that uh, <laughs> not just the dreads, n- not just the dreads, <laughs> um, but just uh, the physical attributes, the physical just... attributes, and also kind of like the college careers they had. Um, you know, to a certain extent. They 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 were very good players, but but almost like they they, they could have def- been. They had big moments and yeah, it wasn't consistent. That's the one thing that I got onto him about was just consistency. I mean, it would be one game where you'd hear sweat, 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 and then you'd go on a three week uh, streak of you would not hear. Like I'd be watching the game and like we haven't heard Sweat's name at all. I mean it. I remember telling you, I think in a game we were watching together, I was like, "We don't. I haven't heard from Sweat in a couple of weeks now." And then it's usually it's usually a big sack at the end of a game when it's needed, but it's there was not a lot of consistency, and there was a lot of big moments, um, key sacks that he made in certain games that we were like, "Oh, Josh Sweat is still on the team," you know. So, um, you know, he's going into the NFL now, just wherever a team thinks that he can fit and produce for them and he's got the physical i mean coaches love will love his crazy athleticism and it, it, hopefully the combine helped him in a little ways and get some uh heads turning towards him yeah it's going to be interesting to see what he's able to do in the league you know um at florida state a lot of the the system the defensive system that was ran starting with with Jeremy Pruitt, the four-two-five that was kind of adopted to mold or, and was molded after Nick Saban's defenses at Alabama, um, it doesn't really stress. I mean, it, any defense wants to get you know pressure on the quarterback, but this defense or that defense that was ran, um, the the Alabama style defense stresses the defensive ends collapsing the pocket, um, which which for anybody that you know, it isn't exactly familiar with it. It is more. It, it's not like. It, it, it's not like do anything to get around the offensive lineman in front of you. It's mm-hmm. more. It's more like focused on yes, you want to get sacks. Yes, you want to try to get sacks. But you also have to be disciplined as to the rush lanes that you take mm-hmm. when you're taking when you when you're attacking the quarterback. Now that that is. You know, it's especially important to do that if you're playing a dual threat quarterback, you know, like a Lamar Jackson, which playing that defense didn't really seem to help Florida State defend him. But 
um, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see to see how under, you know, defensive coordinator Harlan Barnett, um, mm-hmm. defensive end coach Mark Schneider, uh, what what the mo is because if you you know you see back so think about the difference. Uh, you just think back to when Florida State had Mark Stoops and uh, DJ Elliott as a defensive coordinator or as the as a defensive line coach, and you had guys like Tank Carradine, Bjorn Warner, and Brandon Jenkins that were you know racking up sacks and and, and leading the nation in sacks, um, mm-hmm. you know, and and that's not to say that they didn't do that under in the four two five because two seasons ago, Florida State did lead the nation in sacks and had the nation's leader in sacks into Marcus Walker. So, but it, but it came in different ways, you know, just different scheme. It's a different scheme. So I think that the moral of the story is it's going to be interesting to see how Sweat, if he's able to produce more, if he's asked in the NFL to just kind of get after the passer um, a little bit more. Because uh, we know Sweat's good against the run. Yeah. Um, let's move on to the first DB that didn't have a great time in his uh, combine day because we're recording Monday night, so we're recapping it now, and we watched it earlier today, and uh, Tavares McFadden just didn't have a good day. It didn't look like there was really any preparation. I don't know if it was just what happened, if it was uh, through training and just no effort was going in towards there, but the 40 looked... Really wobbly, looked like it was with no control. Um, I wasn't expecting to be that slow, um, but I, 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 I was very shocked at what we saw, and Twitter blew up on it too. Um, I'm trying to find the time right here. It was a what was a four six seven right? His first one. Four six seven and then four yeah. seven six. Yeah, and then the four seven six. Like what happened? Like it's almost like I think uh, who was it? Was it Dion or Rich Eisen on NFL Network that said said Oh, it looked like he just gave up, or you know, it looked like he was dead or something. Um, but it not not a great forty time whatsoever. Um, I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know. Not, I'm not twist- so ever at all. Yeah, I'm twisted on. I'm just, I don't know. It's just a really, I feel like there's something behind that we don't know that's like really weird that how he went out at FSU and um, I don't know, maybe something up, something will come up later. But that was just weird. His on-field um, workouts weren't so bad. He tried to make up for it in a little bit of ways. Uh, he caught some good balls. Um, one, uh, the deep pass over his shoulder he caught. and But it... I don't know. A lot of people, as a DB, they look at the 40 time, um, and that's the first thing they'll look at. And I, really, really disappointing on that end for him. And I know he's most likely definitely disappointed too, and he probably should be. Yeah, I, that, that that's a time that, that can really hurt you. That's a time that can drop you from, like, the second round to the fourth or fifth round. Because that's what uh, – that, that's- like you got off. I mean, you got to. I mean, you think about it when you got you got sweat running, you know, <laughs> a four five three at two hundred and fifty pounds. You got Matt Thomas running a, a four five eight at at two hundred and thirty something pounds, mm-hmm. and then you got T Mac running a four six seven and a four seven six. I mean, that's just yeah. a just a truly, you know, really bad time for him. There's no way around it. Now, hopefully, between now and the pro day on March, I think it's nineteenth or twentieth. I think. Um, uh, yeah, it's coming up in the next 
week and a half. I, I hopefully he he can find some help, find a trainer or, or somebody that will, you know, get that down. Hopefully into the in the four fives. Uh, maybe you know running a little bit looser, cleaning up his technique on the start, doing something like that to kind of cut that time down. Because I you know I think I think you'd be a, anybody be a fool to believe that he's not slightly faster than that at the very least. Yeah, and something just needs to be worked out technique wise. Uh, but at the at the very least, it's concerning from a perspective that that you know that's a job interview for him. You know, the combine's a job interview, and the fact that you know he wasn't performing at at his very best in the job interview uh, for what seemingly looked like to be at the very least a lack of preparation is is something that's concerning just as far as a you know a character slash work ethic uh, perspective. Uh, you know what what that can tell you yeah like you you got to keep up nowadays with these wide receivers I mean Antonio Brown I'm a Steelers fan so of course I love some Antonio Brown but he'll he'll run right there hip and hip with you and then he'll jut out a different stride that you've never seen before and he'll already be five yards ahead of you so I mean that's where T-Mac would get beat any day of the week Um, of course any DB against him is hard to compete with but I mean that's one of the things the announcers getting on to him too. I mean, you got to keep up hip to hip with these wide receivers now, and then look for the ball when it's coming up. And that's something. Even at this past season with T Mac, we saw a lot of trouble with being able to keep up, and then not looking for the ball, and not even actually seeming like the ball was being thrown near him, even though at wide receivers going up for the ball. Just I mean, really to, weird. To, to be honest, I didn't even know. I don't think that that we ever or anyone including myself ever questioned his like like his speed as a as an issue it was you know he always seemed to have pretty good good coverage i guess from time to time he was beat on on deep balls occasionally but it never was like i i mean i i i guess there's there's a couple scenarios where he did get you know beat beat deep i think um USF last year, I, I we already said this, but I think USF last year there was a time where he was beat deep. I think it was like on the USF's first drive, but I can't remember a whole lot of times where he was like totally, you, you know, just toasted uh, in terms of getting back after a ball. So it's going to be interesting to see what what NFL teams see on tape and how they reconcile that with, with what was done uh, at the combine. Yeah. I think we can move on to the next DB now. Um, obviously. Who's that? Who's uh, that? One that's drawing a lot of national attention. Um, <laughs> Derwin James, when he clocked his four four seven official forty time at two hundred and fifteen pounds. Yeah, come on. Uh, you know, it, it's it's going to be interesting to see. I think he could have gone even faster. I don't know who gave him that start, but he was using like the robotic scheme of. I wish he would have brought that arm back a little bit more. It was so tight. If he would have brought that arm back a little bit more and got an even better start, because it was kind of wobbly at the both of a both of his forties. But I mean, four four seven at two hundred fifteen pounds. I mean, whenever you watched it on the one on one, like looking at him straight on, like you do not want to be in front of that train. Like that's scary. And he runs with his head down, down shoulders leaning forward and. It's just like a, a meat train just coming at you. It's scary, almost. 
Yeah, no, it's going to be interesting to see. You know, he put up a combine that's just about as good as a combine as, as you could expect him to put up. It's going to be interesting to see, um, you know, whether he – to me, the thing that, that kind of is the threshold for him is is he the first safety taken? Is he, you know, is he a top 10 pick? It's going to be between him and, and Minka Fitzpatrick. Yeah. Um, and, and there's been a lot of talk you know, amongst the, the draft Twitter guys, uh, can Derwin James play corner? And, yeah. and I think that's really an interesting debate. You know, Jalen Ramsey did play safety while he was at Florida State, but he also, you know, switched out to corner eventually. And Derwin James, I, you know, he, he did play in coverage quite a bit, and they did, you know, give him a variety of roles, but he never did play a true cornerback spot. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, does a team draft him and say, okay, I know I have a starting safety here, but do we give him a shot at cornerback and, and see, look, can we turn this six foot two, six foot three, two hundred and fifteen pound guy who can run a four four seven forty into a Jalen Ramsey type, you know, cornerback? You know, is that something that's possible? Is he able to make that transition? So I think those are the interesting things for me about about Derwin and, and what he was able to do at the combine. Mm-hmm. We didn't get to watch a lot of the on-field stuff, sadly. Um, we could talk. I mean, his bench is what we expected. I think there was a video. Was it his freshman year or going into his sophomore year? Or I think it was his freshman year. He was benching four oh five. I know a video came out a long time ago. He was benching big numbers, so I I was definitely not at all surprised with 21 reps with 225. I mean, he's a strong specimen, dude. I mean, I'd like let's let's list a team from like I'll list a team in NFL where I think he would do well in, or at least where I think I where he should go. I'm gonna pick the Seahawks. I think Pete Carroll was licking his chops while watching it up there today, watching Derwin. Um, yeah, I don't. I'm not sure Derwin falls that. far. I don't think he'll fall that far. There'd have to be something magical for the Seahawks to do to get, get him. But I would like to see him in a uniform there because um, I knew he'd know he'd be used in the right way, um, and it's he could be the Legion of Boom captain. I think after the second year, if Richard Sherman's not gonna make. Well, you it can't through. can't forget old Earl Thomas up there. Yeah, so. Earl Thomas. That's well. If you add both of them, and then it's kind of. A, unfair i think um where would do you have like a team that you think he could shine in in his first you know, couple seasons I, I you know i don't have a particular situation i mean i think there's a lot of different teams that that could use a player like derwin james you know even even you know the bucks could definitely use a player like derwin james and he would walk pretty much walk into a starting position in tampa yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure if I think Derwin would be, would be. I'm a Bucks fan, so I think Derwin would be about third on my board of you know wants for the Bucks. Yeah. Um, and, and you know what? He might very well be the only one of those on the board when the Bucks pick at number seven, because the two guys I'd have in front of him are Quentin Nelson, guard Notre Dame, and uh, Bradley Chubb. Yeah defensive end NC State and you know those guys could end up both being top five picks and and there's a very decent chance that they're both gone by the time the Bucks pick at number seven uh so it'll be interesting to see you know what what the Bucks would do in that scenario 
Well, if there's anything else combine-wise that we want to recap, I know Naughty had a, a decent um, combine, nothing spectacular. He's a big man. He's just going to have to fill holes. Um, I'm trying to think about Izzo. Uh, had a Izzo's solid... Izzo's no nah, Izzo's forty time was bad. He's he's not it, fast. It, Izzo's a big boy, but he ran like a four nine something in his forty, and that's you, you know that dropped him. I think it, it's yeah, that's not a good time uh, in a league that's really kind of adopting or, or you know kind of switching to these tight ends in, in the mold of like a uh, you know we've seen tight ends like Vernon Davis and then Evan Ingram now in New York and and all these different guys you know kind of have success. Um, in the receiving game, a, a guy like Izzo putting it, turning in a time like a four nine, just kind of makes him another one of the another one of the the guys that are you know like a a um who like a a George, or a Vance McDonald in, in in San Francisco, you know these guys that are you know, decent backup tight ends. Yeah. Uh, He's a Steeler now. Come on now, Ethan. Is he? Oh he's, yeah, he's I forgot he got traded. But he had he had, a, he had he didn't have a bad. He caught a couple really good balls and crucial moments for us. But yeah, I know what you mean. Blocking mainly. Wait, one person though before we move on. Um, Auden Tate. There you go. Four six nine. Um, not the greatest time, yeah. but uh, he was he was the tallest, heaviest receiver at the combine. Yeah. So four six nine, it, it, you know, isn't the worst thing. I think. Let me see. Uh, the one person who I would compare him to is like De- like a Devin Funches in Carolina, mm-hmm. and and he ran. I'm trying to no, see see that's a okay. So Devin Funches ran a four four seven and a four five three at six four two thirty two. Mm-hmm. So and, and he was picked in the second round. So I, I'm thinking that, that odd and there's, there's obviously no chance that he goes in the first round. And I think he's probably a late second, very early third. Yeah. Late second, very early third round type receiver. Um, yeah. You know, that time kind of, kind of knocks him back there. He's a, he's a big possession receiver, but he's, he doesn't have that elite physical, you know that those elite physical traits, um, you know, in terms of speed to go along with the the size and and, and hands that he has. So I think that kind of limits his his upside in the NFL, or, or maybe not necessarily in the NFL, but as a uh, you know, it, it limits his upside in the draft. True. There was a lot there. Yeah, there's a lot of comparisons to him. Allen Robinson, maybe, um, but Allen Robinson's pretty quick. And then Brandon Marshall, um, just physical, I mean, big physical, I mean, tall, weight, not that fast. Yeah. Like, high mean, point I, the ball in the end zone. Allen Robinson put up a 4-6. Okay. So. Yeah. But it, I, I think throughout the draft i mean it, it's going to be a very interesting draft it's going to be a lot more interesting than last year's um because it's really up to these scouts and how because it was just that fsu's last season i mean it was you know half 
effort at times and you know it's just really going to be taped that these um coaches are looking at from years ago almost it just doesn't it's just it's just going to feel weird we're not I don't know where a lot of these guys are going to go it's not like how it was in 2013 2014 where we knew you know of course where a lot of these guys were going to go um it's just a lot different than it is this season I, I'm interested to see if having that weird season that FSU did last year plays a role in where these guys get picked up and where they get picked up and if some don't even get picked up at all. Because there's true talent on that defensive side that are in the uh, draft. So we'll see. Um, well, that being said, I think we can move on from the draft, uh, get into a little short segment uh, about, I guess you could say, the uh, the spring practices at Florida State, kind of the conditioning, it's being called the chase. Um, <laughs> yeah. As FSU social media has, has dubbed it. So, uh, you know, just get into you kind of the new vibe around Florida State's uh, yeah. practice facility. It's definitely different. Uh, you can tell uh, Jimbo Fisher was very hush-hush. Uh, about his practices, especially the later he got into his Florida State tenure. Uh, but, you know, over these past few um, days and weeks, uh, Willie Taggart and the, and the social media department at Florida State have put together these videos, uh, kind of, you know, where they're miking up the, the new coaches. And it's kind of giving Florida State fans a, a good, good bit of insight into who these coaches are um, as people. I, and what their coaching style and message is to to the players at Florida State. So I think it's really kind of a valuable and, and interesting segment, and it kind of makes um, uh, makes the program seem kind of more intimate with its fan base as they get to you know see how these guys are in practice. A little bit more transparent than it's usually. And um, yeah, no. So it's it's definitely interesting. Uh, uh, I, I just. I mean, I, I I don't I guess I don't have much to say about it. Um, it's something new, I guess you can say. It's something that the fans are really getting into. It's what we need to see. What a lot of fans want to see is how this is a whole new coaching staff. I mean, it's, it's the right thing that Florida State is doing by showing these videos of the coaches talking to their players that are freaky new to them too. They're having to get to know these players too, um, create relationships, which I think. A lot of like close relationships, from what I've heard, are happening in between. I there's a lot. Of, there's I think uh, was it Westbrook that tweeted? You know, he was tweeting uh, one of the coaches. Might have been Pimpleton talking about you know playing Madden with him after the uh, workouts and stuff. And like Pimpleton was tweeting him right back, um, right here publicly in front of everybody, saying I'm gonna get you later and all that kind of stuff. But it's like a lot of like good bonding that you're seeing you're seeing the vi the videos and pictures they're smiling they're having a good time they're also like absolutely exhausted after these things a couple one of the players i talked to said that i mean after the first one they had the first chase about two weeks ago that he was absolutely dead he said he was ready to go to bed at 6 p.m because um, they have to get up really early they're getting up at 5 15 i know one cat uh who a lot of people um, are excited to uh, see is Marvin Wilson. Um, he's he's getting a lot of 
a lot of uh, good stuff being said about him. He's becoming a verbal leader, um, kind of being a leader with his actions working out. Um, a couple other guys, too. Cam Akers um, has been showing DJ, up. Yeah, um, to, to, to add into that, you know, they, they put these pictures or on, on the Seminoles recruiting uh, story mm-hmm. and, and you know, you see there, there's Cam giving a talk to the team. Another one that, that's been put on there, DJ Matthews giving a talk to the team. So it's really encouraging. I mean, these are some of the young guys. Um, yeah, very so, young. So some of these young guys coming in and, and saying, you know, we don't like losing. We don't like the way this past year went. So it's time for us to step up and be leaders. So you got a bunch of true sophomores like, you know, Cam Akers, DJ Matthews, and Marvin Wilson yeah. stepping up. And I think that's part of the whole process of getting a new coaching staff in here is kind of you know things are wide open again yeah uh, even even the even the young the leadership in. yeah the leadership positions are even wide open to a certain extent so the the young guys are like are would, uh, even would be i know we've been hearing good things about yeah. them coming into actions speak louder than words and a lot of guys are looking up to him there's uh, another one too. I'm trying to think here. I know Amari Gaynor. I mean, I know I I played with Amari Gaynor in high school, and he's always been a very spirit, a very just you know outgoing dude, um, trash talker, very 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 competitive, um, likes to get in your face. If he's winning, you will uh, hear it from him. Or if you're losing, he'll, you'll hear it from him. But I know, I know inside, inside there, he's been uh, very verbal, um, just very. There's a lot of confidence coming in, which is a good thing. That's what this team needs, I think, going forward. At least during the spring, um, a lot of just getting some, getting some juice coming back. You know, that, at FSU, we were expected. We're we're used to seeing a lot of juice, a lot of trash talking. I know we had a couple of the guys on the podcast this past season talking about man at practice i think nick moody was saying i mean if you're not trash talking if we're not goal line goal line if you're not talking trash with you know the guy that you're about to hit telling him you're about to break his face up or whatever i mean that's you're not at florida state and a lot of them a lot of the older players the former players were just really almost embarrassed with how it is now or how it was this past season with just no effort no no trash talking no no juice coming in and no excitement on the sidelines just sitting there um that's something hopefully i think the biggest thing that florida state needs to come back in is just coming back with a little bit of more juice than swag i want to see some juice from some of these guys and i think that's coming like dontavius jackson like you were mentioning we're seeing a lot of juice at least right now on social media from him um and marvin wilson too i think marvin wilson has right now one of the top guys right now marvin and one one guy that i think that we need to do really actually need to keep an eye on is nooney murray um i've heard he's been with blackman almost every day out of the week running routes working on his techniques route running um speed everything that's one guy that um i think you need to keep an eye on going forward going into the summer but definitely spring since it's nearing up soon the spring game's gonna shoot that's coming up isn't it just in a couple almost a month a little over a month 
Month not long. long. Yeah, not long at all. I'm I'm excited. I, I, it's one person that I think um, could really actually like change the way that a lot of the fans think of Nooney. I'm just hearing a lot of good things about him and Marvin Wilson. Um, really, really, really exciting stuff that I think fans uh, should definitely uh, deserve after this past season. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I think we pretty much hit everything on the head. I mean, you, you can't draw too many conclusions uh, from the – you can't draw too many conclusions from this little short bit of, of – practice or whatever and and kind of you know what we've seen but it's definitely uh it's not necessarily an indicator of on-field play or what's going to happen in this upcoming season but at the very least to me it's nice to see the guys on the team at least having fun with football again and yeah and it seemed like you know whatever whatever the cause was over these past few seasons it just hadn't been fun in a while for the program as a whole and so I think it, it's good to see, you know, everybody in the program start to have a little bit of fun again. And, and hopefully the on-field results will allow that fun to continue. So, so you know, we'll just wait and see, you know, what happens on the field. And, and right now, you know, I'm full of, no, full of nothing but optimism for, for what that's going to be. So um, Exactly. Same here. You know, I am. Deion Sanders, uh, spring game. We'll see him for the first time in Doak in a long time. He mentioned that today on the – NFL Network while he was a side announcing with the team that he, he was like he was still he's still playing that whole tricky thing about coaching at FSU and whatnot I it's all bogus to me from what I've heard oh well yeah he's no, just it's... being all jokester and whatnot but all he literally needs to do is just say a couple words about FSU and that's all the recruiting and whatnot he needs to do that's his coaching right there um but yeah I'm excited the whole spring game I'm stoked to go to what the end zones are going to be throwbacks. Um, maybe the old logo slapped in the midfield. I mean, we're young. We don't, I don't, it's, I mean, that doesn't really matter to me, but we're young. I'm only 20. You're 19, right? Nope. Not yet. I got, well, I I got, uh, less than a month now, less than a month and I'll be 19. So young and, Young and young and, but yeah, I, yeah, I'm glad we covered this. I'm glad, I'm glad we got on and did a little recap of the combine, man. I'm glad. Hopefully, we'll be able to do a little bit more of these on a weekly or two week basis. We got a lot of more football coming up. Spring practice is coming up. You and Ryan will get back on here. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, no problem. Uh, it was good having you on. Kind of get a, get something in. Get a recap of the combine. Just talk about a little bit of, of what's going on in, in these spring practices and, and kind of the initial, you know, what we're seeing out of the team. So I think uh, on that note, we can kind of sign off. Uh, it, it was good having having you on, and, and we'll have another episode out soon. Uh, don't forget that we're this podcast is on your favorite podcast provider, uh, whether that's, uh, you know, you can go on the uh, Apple Podcast Store, Google Play, or uh, SoundCloud. So uh, just drop us a review if you like it, and we appreciate you, and uh, thank you for listening. <laughs>